Athander is a deity of unbridled positivity who literally radiates out that energy for his followers to emulate so they live their lives to the fullest. I'm Ben Digden, and welcome once again to Religion in the Realms. Titles By far the most common title Lathander goes by is The Morning Lord, though his other used titles are Commander of Creativity, Inspiration's Dawn, and the Rose and Gold God. Portfolio and Domains Lathander's portfolio includes Athletics, Birth, Creativity, Dawn, Renewal, Self-Perfection, Spring, Vitality, and Youth. Lathander's suggested domains for 5th edition are Life and Light. Appearance and Manifestations Athander is often depicted as a human young man with golden skin. Athander's avatar reflects the appearance of Lathander himself, a golden-skinned, toned, and muscular young man. If attending to a situation where combat is likely, the avatar is dressed in fine golden plate mail. If not, his avatar wears regal robes, crowns, and other finery that are colored like that of the dawn. Though it is a rare occurrence, Lathander might also send down, send down an avatar in the form of a sun peacock, an animal unique to the Forgotten Realm setting. Lathander's personal weapon is a magical footman's mace that he has named Dawn Speaker. This mace has the highest bonus to attack and damage attributed to a magical weapon, depending on the addition. It will destroy any undead susceptible to sunlight upon being hit immediately. It also deals extra damage to any creature of a negative alignment. In 3rd edition terms, Dawnspeaker has the Ghost Touch, Disruption, and Holy properties. Much like other deities do, Lathander will lend out Dawnspeaker to those who are worthy in his eyes. The following are just a list of manifestations of Lathander. The first is that of a rose-colored swirl or swirls in the air that have fiery eyes in the center. The second is a rosy radiance that surrounds those he favors, indicates a safe path for his worshippers, or items that are of significance to him. This radiance has differing properties depending on the context and individual or item it surrounds. It has innate healing properties that heal both wounds and afflictions, and or can lift people almost telekinetically out of harm's way. Those who are surrounded by it may hear a short message from Lathander himself while resurrection magic on a corpse surrounded by this light is immediately effective. The third and final manifestation is that he may indicate his favor through various organisms or items such as robins, sun peacocks, sun peacock feathers, butterflies, and aster blossoms. Abilities Lathander can create sunlight in an area encompassing a radius of 10 miles, which is approximately 16 kilometers, for a duration of an hour, though he has to wait for another two hours to pass until he can use this ability again. Lathander can dispel any magical darkness immediately surrounding him. Likewise, he can dispel magical darkness within 120 yards or approximately 110 meters of himself. He is immune to radiant and fire damage. As a greater deity, he always rolls the highest results on any dice roll he makes, 
A Thander can use all of his senses to detect something up to 17 miles, which is approximately 27 kilometers, away from himself. He can also send something out to the same distance away from his holy sites, worshippers, objects and sites tied to his worship, and any location where his name was spoken within the last hour. His senses can be split up into 20 different locations at once. He can block out the other sensing powers, powers of deities lower in power than him for up to 17 hours. As part of his portfolio sense, he can sense any birth 1710 days or 170 days before, during, or 17 day, 10 days after it happens. He is also aware of events that occur within an hour of the sunrise. Due to his close relationship to Shantia, no plant life, sentient or otherwise, can bring themselves to harm him. Lathander can create any magical item that has healing properties. Personal History Lathander's origins are never given, but it is alluded to that he is among the oldest deities of the Pantheon. The Dawn Cataclysm has always been hard to date for scholars of Faerun. What is apparent is that it happened during the period between the fall of Netheril in negative 339 Dale Reckoning and resulted in the fall of Mithranor in 714 Dale Reckoning. At this time, Lathander was a young deity, and he attempted naively to shape the pantheon of Faerun to better reflect his wants and desires. This only led to a great conflict and power between the deities as the, as the balance was shifted. It was nowhere near as destructive as the Time of Troubles were, but still several deities ended up dead or forgotten as a result. As discussed in the Bashaba and Timor episodes, Lathander once was a paramour of Taiki during the Gadalan Cataclysm. That was until the day that Saloon had to split Taiki before the corruption of the currently dead deity Moander consumed her. Refer back to those episodes if you want any greater detail on that particular story. Lathander is of the belief that Shar and her agents were behind his failure in the Dawn Cataclysm. It is alluded to in 3rd edition sources that Lathander was working on figuring out how to make another attempt at ridding the Pantheon of evil influence, so much so that word of this reached some of his powerful worshippers down Toral of an event to be carried out called the Deliverance. Certain members of the faith went out and began proselytizing to others to turn towards Lathander before it was too late. Whether the Deliverance is related to current events, like the re-emergence of a monitor, though currently is unknown. In 916 Dale Reckoning, Lathander sent down an avatar to deal with Samaster, the founder of the Cult of the Dragon. Here a small amount of Lathander's blood was shed and gathered. This blood was collected and is revered as a holy relic in the faith. In 1385 Dale Reckoning, Lathander was one of the deities who acted against Siric, imprisoning Siric in his realm for a thousand years sentence following the murder of Mistra which precipitated the events of the Spell Plague. This next bit in Thander's history unfortunately becomes a little tricky, but we're going to do our best to sort through it. A monitor and Lathander have become inextricably linked over the very centuries of Faerun. During a monitor's disappearance from Faerun after the fall of Netheril, some thought a monitor had become Lathander or been absorbed by Lathander. However, Amonitor's powers waned as his worshippers dis diminished. This was to the point that he lost his power as a deity altogether, died, and was shunted out into the Astral Sea. Immediately after locking up Siric, Lathander threw away his current identity 
and is said to have transfigured himself into a monitor. At least, that is what it says in 4th edition sources. But now a monitor had shifted in alignment from his once lawful neutral stance to that of a lawful good deity, acting after having spent so long as a bastion for good as Lathander. Now as I mentioned earlier in the Faith and Avatar's second edition supplement, a monitor has, was explicitly stated to have been shunted out into the Astral Sea as an all-but-forgotten dead deity from Netheril. Such as it was in 4th edition that a monitor existed in Lathander's place. That was until come 5th edition, following the second sundering, we now have Lathander and a monitor as separate deities in the Pantheon. But note, a monitor is once again a lawful neutral deity. So what happened here? Is this a conflict in canon? Is the D&D team rectifying the backlash received following the full reception of the changes in canon following the spell plague? It could very well be all those things. However, there may be a canonical reason. And if you allow me to theorize for a second, I will explain my thoughts. The Monitor and Lathander could very well be this very same aspect of a given deity. This would work well within the beliefs of the three-faced sun heresy within Lathander's faith, which I will touch on a bit later. However, I'd like to posit my own theory. Lathander was making a plan to challenge the evil powers within the Faerunian pantheon once more. He alluded to as much to his followers with mention of the event called the Deliverance. I like to presume he learned from his mistakes from the Dawn Cataclysm and decided on a far more conservative course of action. He sought out to bring an ally into the fold that could assist him in his aims. In my theory at least, Lathander went out into the Astral Sea and found a Monitor. There, a Monitor was, re- was resurrected and an agreement was made between the two deities. Lathander would step aside for a while and let his faith flock under Monitor's name, cementing some Monitor within the Pantheon once again. So long as the Monitor served as a good deity during Lathander's absence. Then, Lathander himself came to let his presence be known in the realms once more, following the Second Sundering, and Monitor likely was relieved to fall back into his desired alignment. I could be dead wrong about this. A variant on this theory that uh, I've heard when discussing it with other individuals is that perhaps instead of Lathander taking a back seat during this period when the Monitor came back um, up into prominence, instead the two fused or Lathander absorbed Monitor to become a singular deity at that time known only as a Monitor, and then come the period of the Second Sundering, they then split after Monitor had more or less regained his power and stature in the Pantheon and Thander felt good enough to go in their own separate ways. Please, though, if anyone can point me in the direction of what really happened between these two deities between 4th edition and 5th edition, I would be so grateful because it is confusing. There is some, I don't want to say misleading, but very conflicting statements between the editions. In 2nd edition, it is said almost explicitly that these two deities are separate beings, only for 4th edition to come and conflict with that, saying that, oh, they've always been the same being. Lathander simply transfigured himself into a monitor again. And now in 5th edition, we have them as separate entities. 
So again, if anyone can point me in the right direction as to the right way, sorry, the correct interpretation of all of this, that would be great. But as it is, I can only speculate and hopefully provide some direction for others. Personality. Othander is a neutral good greater deity. Othander is described as an exuberant, dedicated, always optimistic, and, and regal deity. He is one to never dwell on his failures, instead looking ahead for success the following day. Lathander has a strong contempt for the undead and sees them as a vile corruption needing to be stamped out. Though he has his own flaws much like any other deity, he can be vain, hedonistic, and overzealous at times in his pursuits. As it is, the possible consequences of his actions are never given too much forethought. Personal Realms in the Great Wheel Cosmological Model, which was the assumed cosmological model for 1st Edition, 2nd Edition, and now 5th Edition, Lathander resides in the realm of Morning Glory on the layer of Aronia on the outer plane of Elysium. As it is, this is the third deity we have covered so far that resides on the layer of Aronia, the other two being Shantia and Eldath. However, just in case a refresher is needed or you're new entirely to the podcast, Let's not just pass Elysium by without discussing it. In general, Elysium is a plane of ease. It is the neutral good plane. Correction, it is the neutral good outer plane. The plane is patrolled by powerful neutral good celestials called Gardenals. The layers of the plane can be reached via this plane spanning river Oceanus that makes its way through all four layers. Elysium has an inherent entrapping property that can cause people to never want to leave the plane due to its innate good and pleasantness. And an entrapped individual, after enough time, will forget their past life as they embrace their new life here on Elysium, refusing to leave. The layer of Aronia on Elysium is composed primarily of mountainous terrain. Here the weather is far more unpredictable and less pleasant than it is on the other layers of Elysium. In Aronia, the plain-spanning river, the Oceanus, is rapid and wild, with several waterfalls that spill off from it and down the mountainsides. Lathander's personal realm, Morning Glory, is said to be a realm of everlasting, pink-hued sky, pink clouds, and renewed hope each day. Lathander shares his realm with a Vedic power named Ushas, who shares similarities in their portfolios. Reportedly, the two have been working together for a very long time, finding ways into the darker realms of evil beings and letting their light shine through. The land here is rich and bounded by meadows and timber trees. Morning Glory lays close in proximity to Shantia's realm of the Great Mother's Garden. There are no real towns here. Instead, the smaller houses of Lathander's petitioners surround his massive and opulent temple that faces the rising sun. This temple has many gems, reflective and colored glass of several, several hues, and reflective metals lining both its outside and inside. The sleep spell here is completely, completely ineffective, as those who sleep here always feel refreshed and clear-headed. After enough time is spent here, someone can gain a temporary bonus to their wisdom rolls as well. In the World Tree Cosmological Model, used in 3rd edition, Athena resides on the plane of the House of Nature. The House of Nature is a plain full of wilderness without settlement or fortification. Here animals and humanoids live alike in peaceful coexistence. 
As time progresses, the humanoids here take on animalistic features and eventually turn into celestial humans themselves. Correction, celestial animals themselves. Much like Elysium, the House of Nature is protected by Gardenals. On this plane, Othanda's personal realm is also known as Morning Glory. The effects and characteristics of this realm are much the same as they are described in the Great Wheel model. Lathander was not present for 4th edition, but I imagine that he may have taken up resonance in hiding with a monitor in the realm of in a monitor's realm of the Eternal Sun in the World Axis cosmological model, or perhaps elsewhere with Shantia and Greenfield, Greenfields while Morning Glory was vac- was vacated. Allies and allegiances. As a well-liked deity, Lathander has many allies. They include Shantia, Gond, Sylvanus, Timora, Maru, Tyr, Torm, Elmater, Suni, Lyra, Selun, Ogma, Milil, Tanir, Myliki, Eldath, and Kelimvor. Lothander and Shantia have an on-again, off-again romantic relationship that is never filled with animosity between the two of them. Due to the overlap in some aspects of their portfolio, this amicable relationship is optimal. The face of Shantia and Lathander work well with each other as a result. Lyra and Eldath both value his idealistic nature. LaRue favors him for his love of the good things in life. The four deities of knowledge and invention favor him due to his command over creativity. Lastly, Kelmvor sees him as an ally in their mutual hatred for all things undead. Enemies Lathander's enemies include Zurich. Talos, Shar, Bane, Baal, Mercule, and the dead gods Moander and Ebranduil. Shar is an obvious foe of Lathander, and she does much to work against any good and light he brings into Toral. Helm's faith does not oppose Lathander. However, Helm himself has a deep-seated grudge towards Lathander due to the consequences of the Dawn Cataclysm. Because of the Cataclysm, Helm's wife, Merdane, a deity in her own right, was destroyed by Umberly. Deity and Avatar Stat Blocks You can find the 2nd edition stats for Lathander's Avatar in the Face and Avatar's Supplement. You can find the 3rd edition stats for Lathander himself, as well as his Avatar, in the Faith and Pantheon's Supplement. Symbols Over the, ed- over the editions, Lathander's symbol has changed. How this relates to the history of Lathander and his faith over the editions, I am unsure. Regardless, any of the symbols I feel would work in a given campaign, and I like to think that it isn't uncommon to see various holy symbols designs of Lathander out in Faerun. As it is, here is a list of the following symbols of Lathander. In 1st and 2nd edition, Lathander's symbol is described as a disc colored a rosy pink color. The holy symbols clergy carry are often made of rose quartz or other materials that are of similar color. Often they are enchanted to radiate a faint glow. In 3rd edition, Lathander's symbol became far more stylized. It was now described as a sunrise motif made out of rose, red, and yellow colored gems. In 5th edition, Lathander's symbol is now recognized to be that of a road traveling towards a sunrise. Finally, as a prominent deity in the city-states of Chacenta, most often venerated for his authority over athletics, the Thander symbol is also a statue of two wrestlers in this region. 
Central Dogma, from Faiths and Pantheons, 3rd Edition Supplement. Quote, Strive always to aid, to foster new hope, new ideas, and new prosperity for all humankind and its allies. It is a sacred duty to foster new growth, nurture growing things, and work for rebirth and renewal. Perfect yourself and be fertile in mind and body. Wherever you go, plant seeds of hope, new ideas, and plans for a rosy future in minds of all. Watch each sunrise. Consider the consequences of your actions so that your least effort may bring the greatest and best reward. Avoid negativity, for from death comes life, and there is always another morning to turn a setback into a success. Place more importance in activities that other help that help others than in strict adherence to rules, rituals, and the dictates of your seniors. End quote. The doctrine of the Thander is filled with stories of positive thinking and placing yourself in a positive mindset in order to set yourself up for success. Clergy are to adhere more to good service and action than adherence to rules and dictates. Rarely are clergy members raised after dying as they believe almost fatalistically that they should not be separated from the chance death presents to go to Lathander. Exceptions do exist when a particular member is needed to fulfill a task before they can leave their, no- leave their mortal coil for the outer planes. Presence of the Faith People in Faerun often offer up a prayer to Lathander before, stating any unde- before starting any endeavor or after an alliance is formed with an individual or group. For this reason, Lathander's faith is rather popular among merchants. Due to his regal bearing, he is worshipped by a large amount of nobility throughout Faerun, especially young idealistic nobles. Despite being favored by the wealthy, Lathander is also thought fondly of by those of lesser means, as well due to the support the many shrines and temples of his faith provide. Lathander is also commonly worshipped among athletes and young people. Typically, Lathander's worshippers are chaotic good, lawful good, or neutral good in alignment. Notably, in the city-states of Shisenta, Lathander is seen more as a representation of the perfect athlete. Here, prayers and offerings are made to Lathander at the beginning of each and every athletic competition. In many depictions in Shisenta, Lathander is seen wrestling or competing in other athletic competitions against the heroes of Chacenta. Hierarchy and Structure of the Clergy There is no centralized authority in Lathander's faith and no standardized hierarchy across all of Faerum. When policy or doctrine is to be discussed, a gathering is called to the place of worship from which the issue stems from and resolved from there. Often, though it is not a rule, a high-ranking clergy member in charge of a temple or shrine is known as a prior or abbess. All, novice, all novices in the faith are known as the awakened. When they are welcomed into the clergy as full members, they become dawnbringers. From there, the hierarchy is as follows in ascending order, generally speaking. Dawn greeter, dawn lord, high dawn lord, dawn master, morning lord, high morning lord, morn master, high morn master, and sunrise lord. Collectively, clergy members are known as dawnbringers. Responsibilities and duties of clergy and worshippers Temples of Lathander hold many civic and personal functions. 
Here marriages are carried out at dawn and used to host the announcements of civic projects. Expectant mothers often come to the temples of Lathander to give birth in the hopes of providing the infant with good luck from their birth onwards. At other temple functions, eloquent orators and speakers are brought in by the clergy to discuss matters of interest. Certainly not to the extent that Shantia's faith does, the clergy of Lathander are still known for cultivating land where they come to reside. The faith is an advocate for the spread of culture and civilization. Thus, they foster the growth of the arts, cooperation with the various peoples of Faerun. Likewise, they attempt to drive out evil wherever it has taken hold, or sponsor those adventurers whose goals align with their own. Lathanderites organize and sponsor their fair share of friendly athletic competitions where people from all walks of life can compete. In the same vein, the faith also sponsors artistic competitions. Lathanderite clergy willingly aid adventurers of good dispositions so long as such aid is repaid in good faith. They don't require those that they are aiding to be patrons of Lathander, though they would prefer it. Lay folk of Lathander often make offerings of coin, inventions, found relics, and food to the places of worship. Those lay people who are not of the faith do need to offer something more substantial to receive, to receive assistance, however. Given the large amount of funds circulating within the Lathanderite faith, loans from the various places of worship are not uncommon. Orders and Priestly Bodies Spring Lords and Spring Ladies are a specialty body within the faith who act primarily as healers, midwives, and the most powerful of them can raise the dead. In a faith known for its pomp, pomp and opulence, the Spring Lords and Spring Ladies eschew this image instead, striving to simply be servants to the people. They are known for not asking for funds for resurrection spells for the first time, but it is not wise for the same group to constantly beseech them for this service. Each Spring Lady and Spring Lord picks up an artistic talent in honor of Lathander's portfolio over creativity. The Order of the Aster, sometimes known as the Soldiers of Light, is an organized body of paladins and warriors in direct service to the faith of Lathander. Their primary mission is to protect temples and shrines to Lathander and roam the land doing good in Lathander's name, while attempting to rid the world of evil. Though, if a large fighting group is needed by the faith, they are brought in to lead. The order has companies established in around a dozen abbeys throughout western and central Faerun. From these abbeys, the members of the order receive their orders. The Company of the Singing Dawn are described as a mercenary body who devote themselves to Lathander. They will work for free from time to time, especially if it involves fighting the undead or and, and or is in direct service to the faith of Lathander. They are based out of the Vilhan Reach. Their current status is unknown at the time, considering they were last mentioned in a second edition supplement. The Fellowship of the Purple Staff were attempting to establish a theocracy in the wild lands to the north of Termish at last recording in 1372 Dale Reckoning. The Fellowship was formed in 1368 Dale Reckoning by a small group of clerics, Tushantia, Helm, and Saloon, but soon had members from Sunni and Lathander's faith. As more like-minded individuals from allied faiths came together, small settlements were built up by 1372 Dale Reckoning. These three settlements were hamlets based around their own respective temple farm. The fellowship believed that they were following the dictates of the respective deities to establish a holy nation. 
Often adventurers were hired by the Fellowship to help them deal with threats from the outside. I was not able to find any evidence of the Fellowship's continued existence or destruction up to present-day Faerun. The Brotherhood of the Glorious Sun, more commonly known as Sun Masters, were a martial sect within the Lathanderite faith that was viewed with some skepticism and mistrust by the core body of the faith. Sun Masters dutifully served Lathander, but they viewed him as a reincarnation of the Am- of a monitor after a monitor's disappearance following the fall of Nethril. To them, Lathander was a deity of the dawn just waiting for his ascent high into the sky to once more take his place as a monitor, and they believed he would come to lord over, over all the deities in the Faerunian pantheon. They viewed Lathander and a monitor as one of the same, and often called this being a monitor. Confusingly, Lathander neither confirmed nor denied that he is, was, or retains an aspect of, mon- of a monitor. The Sun Master's beliefs were seen as heretical, but not enough to deny any working relationship or alliance with the rest of the faith, considering that their goals still were to fight against e- evil deities and their servants. At this time, this heresy was known by the Lathanderite body as the Risen Sun Heresy. I speculate now that with a monitor back in the fold of the Forgotten Realms Pantheon, the Sun Masters have more or less now taken up the main body of a monitor's worship in their own respective and separate faith. Chapter houses and shrines for the Sun Masters were set up throughout Faerun, and they did once report back to the ranking clergy of Lathander. At these smaller places of worship, a handful of fighters, paladins, and clerics could be found. Another heretical sect within the Lathanderite faith is a three-faced sun heresy. This sect holds the sun to be an over-deity with three aspects, dawn, high sun, and dusk. At the core of this heresy is the belief that only two aspects of the sun can be present at any one time. Throughout the history of Faerun, this has been reflected by the rise and fall of various deities, first during the reign of the Netherese Empire, a monitor ruled in the high sun, while Jurgle presided as the aspect of the dusk. With the monitor's fall and the positions of rulership of death-changing hands and Lathander's prominence, believers believed it was only a matter of time until another change came about. Again, just speculating here, with a monitor and Lathander present and separate from one another once again, the three-faced sun heresy may not be seen as so heretical anymore. The Order of the Sun Soul Monks have a long alliance with the faith of Lathander, though it has been strained at times. Not all within the Order are worshippers of Lathander, some worship Sunni and Ceylon. As such, the Order is divided into three sects to reflect these differences in faith. At times, the Order has assisted those two faiths as well, though its bond with the Lathanderite faith is far stronger. This order's history stretches all the way back to the time of Nethril, when it was once known as the Order of the Sun. Then, its patron deity was solely a monitor. Upon a monitor's disappearance, the different monasteries in the order chose one of the three deities to become their new patron. Surprisingly, with a monitor's reemergence, the Sun Soul monks have not wavered in their dedication to their three respective deities. Monasteries of the Sun Soul can be found out in the remote areas of Faerun. A Sun Soul monk believes that the spirit has a light within it that is an, es- that is an essence of the sun. 
They train to tap into this essence in order to carry out their various martial feats. They primarily act in service to the common folk of Faerun. Appearance and Dress The Faith of Lathander favors reds, crimsons, scarlets, yellows, and pinks in their dress. The typical garb of clergy members in more well-off temples is a long-sleeved robe colored with bright yellows, reds, and pinks. These robes are commonly called sun robes. Some clergy members will have their robes trimmed with gold. A headpiece is worn on the back of the head that is reminiscent of a rising sun. At simpler places of worship, clergy wear simple cassocks that are colored according to their rank. Novices and postulants wear brown, adepts wear russet and crimson, senior priests wear scarlet, subpriors rose red, and finally the leader wears white. Spring ladies and spring lords wear loose robes of yellow, pink, and red that are trimmed with green. The green in their dress is believed to symbolize renewal. The ostentatious headdress attributed to the other clergy of Lothander is only worn at formal ceremonies and meetings by the spring lords and spring ladies. When adventuring, clergy wear utilitarian clothing, though colored in the face favored colors. Their armor may even be tinted or dyed red in color. Most tend to wear chainmail. The only mark to signify their membership in the clergy is the mark of a rose-red circle on their shield and or on the brow of their helmets. Rituals Though I may be stating the obvious, I'm going to note that Lathander's clerics pray for their spells at dawn. The The vast majority of rituals and ceremonies in Lathander's faith are carried out during the dawn of their day. Understandably, a ritual carried out at this time invoking Lathander's name is considered blessed. One exception, however, are funerals that happen at dusk. In the Lathanderite faith, funerals are accompanied by a candlelit ceremony called the Going Down, which in my opinion is a terrible name. The wake that follows the funeral lasts until sunrise the next morning when prayers are usually made to Lathander. Daily, a worshipper is expected to make their daily prayers at dawn. Of all daily rituals, this is the most important. Following in importance are the twilight prayers. Depending on the region and place of worship, a ceremony and optional prayer may also be made towards Lothander at high sun or noon. These daily rituals are meant to be joyful, though dignified affairs that are filled with prayer, song, and ritual. Also, well water that has been touched by the light of dawn features in these rituals as well. Briester Tide is a holy day carried out by the faith of Lathander in the city of Waterdeep in the month of Chess on the 1st. Briester was recognized as the first prophet of Lathander over seven centuries ago. Briester's blindness was cured by Lathander, and the celebrants pay homage to him by keeping one of their eyes covered until the next dawn, all while wearing bright red robes. Sornin is a festival that takes place in the month of Flame Rule between the 3rd and 5th. It is a festival dedicated to both Joaquin and Lathander. This festival is a time to both establish new business and trading partners, but also to formalize treaties and settlements between rivals and foes. This is a festival of much drinking and feasting. On midsummer, the vernal and autumnal equinoxes, and other special days throughout the year, The clergy will perform the Song of Dawn, which is full of complex vocal harmonies. General Locations of Temples and Shrines Lathander's faith is wealthy, and many of its temples and shrines will reflect this wealth. 
opulent to the point that some would consider them garish. Such temples contained carved statues and pricey stained glass windows. Smaller places of worship and shrines, however, are often reserved in appearance. Temples are built so that the main room faces eastward to greet the rising sun in the morning. The main room is built in such a way so that the horizon is somewhat too to be fully visible from within to see the rising sun. In crowded settlements, the main room may be moved up to the third or fourth story, while other temples compensate by using an elaborate set of mirrors to redirect the rays of the sun. The more elaborate and well-off temples usually have on the grounds a series of fountains and moats that channel holy water throughout the temple grounds. Specific Location of Temples and Shrines Morning Dawn Hall in Shadowdale was built Sorry, it was rebuilt in the shape of a swan or phoenix, depending on which source you refer to. Most sources and the most recent source refers to it being built in the shape of a phoenix, so I will assume that is the truth. The wings of the phoenix become turrets that serve to watch over the surrounding area. The back of the temple is adorned in enchanted, unbreakable stained glass that is rose in color. The initial morning dawn hall was destroyed by Bane during the Time of Troubles, but it has... Sorry, it was rebuilt to its former glory. The Spires of the Morning in Waterdeep is largely considered the most opulent and largest of temples to Lathander. It sits in the Castle Ward of Waterdeep. This three-storied structure is made of pink marble and has seven spires capped with copper, gold, and silver. If you're interested, you can find the detailed layout and map for this temple in the 3rd edition supplement Powers of Faerun. In Waterdeep, one can also find the Monastery of the Sun, a sun-soul monastery, despite that order's preference for, for remoter locations. Second in opulence to the Spires of Morning of Waterdeep is the Tower of the Morning in Telpir. The Song of the Morning in Berigost is a scarlet-colored fortress housing 200 militia personnel. In Zazapur, the House of the, Douse, House of the Dawn Lord was raised to the ground after the clergy tried to stop a riot. Among the ruins, it is said you can still see the ghosts of the clergy when the sun rises. In Om, there are three ruined cities of the former theocracy of Mansorin, last inhabited in the year's 600 Dale Reckoning. Each one was dedicated to a deity, one of these being dedicated to Lathander. That was until a fierce blizzard covered the citizenry, and they were all reportedly attacked by a white dragon. In Athkatla is the Dome of the Rose. It is a three-storied temple with a large dome of rose-colored glass that glows during the sunrise. Lathander's Light is a temple in Dagger Falls. This temple was rebuilt after the former one was burned down during his Zentarum occupation in 1336 Dale Reckoning. For a time, the Lathanderite faith made a concerted effort to renew Mithranor after its first destruction. Lathander appeared before one of his clergy members, ordering them to found a temple in Mithranor, and presented them with a holy relic known as the Dawnstone to place in their altar. This group called themselves the Seekers of the Dawn, and they named their temple among the ruins of Mithranor, the Dawnspire. The Dawnspire temple itself was a simple con conical tower, it's that in a walled compound containing five acres of fields where several crops were grown by the clergy. Ultimately, the end goal of the seeker was to clear the ruins of Mithranor of all its evil and build up the city once more. How it stands now is unknown, given the second destruction of Mithranor in 1487 Dale Reckoning. Likely, it lies in ruins. Morning Mist Hall in Marsember is built on an island out in the bay. 
Its walls are pink in color that radiate at dawn. It has slim towers that are built to emulate a budding flower. It stands out as a hopeful beacon in an otherwise shabby and dreary city. The clergy here offer their services to many sailors, and the temple has also a small fleet of ships that combat pirates out in the Sea of Fallen Stars. In Nightstone, there is a small wooden temple that splits its devotion between Myleki and Lathander. Here, the stained glass portrays motifs important in both faiths. In Dead Snows, there wasn't a temple to Lathander per se, but the watchtower here was housed by Lathanderite faith. They had a banner with the symbol of Lathander waving above their watchtower. As of the destruction of Dead Snows in 1385 Dale Reckoning, it is unknown the state of this watchtower. This next bit contains some spoilers for Baldur's Gate Descent into Remus, so please skip ahead a little bit to avoid being spoiled. Hanging above the first layer of the Nine Hells, Avernus sits the transported holy city of Elturel. In Elturel's graveyard sits a chapel dedicated to Lathander, Torm, Helm, and Tyr. Here the ill effects of the lower planes have taken full effect. Named temples to Lathander include the Dawn Bell Towers in the Crypt Ward of Calimport, Oryester's Mete in Silvery Moon, the House of the Holy Dawn in the Jewel Ward of Calimport. The House of the Morning and Evening Star. The Tower of the Morn in Elversalt. Lathander's Rise in Daggerford. The Healing House of Lathander in Scornubal. House of the Morning in Feather Falls. And Lathander's Open Hand in Hap. Unnamed temples to Lathander can be found in Westgate, Arkendale, Featherdale, Selgaunt. Ravensbloth, Tantris, Arkenbridge, Algarth, and perhaps within the ruins of Ordolan. Shrines to Lathander can be found in Tasseldale, Dareloom, Serloom, Ermlasper, Molemaster, Voonlar, Asbravin, Baldur's Gate, and perhaps within the ruins of Tillerton. Character Options For 2nd Edition, in Warriors and Priests of the Realm supplements, you can find a special ability for Crusaders dedicated to Lathander, as well as a breakdown for the Spring Lord and Spring Lady specialty priest. For 3rd edition, in the Champions of Valor supplements, you can find the Initiate, Initiate of the Holy Realm feat for those who serve in the Purple Staves, a feat specific to Sunsall Monks, in Purple Stave Cleric Substitution levels, and the City of Splendor supplement, you can find the breakdown for the Sun Soul Monk Prestige levels. In the Lost Empires of Faerun supplement, you can find the Sun Master Prestige class. In Player's Guide to Faerun supplement, you can find the Morning Lord of Lathander Prestige class, the Initiative Lathander feats, and the Morning Lord of Lathander Epic Prestige class. For 4th edition, the Morning Lord Paragon path can be found in the Forgotten Realms Player's Guide supplement. Next is the breakdown of the features I think someone deeply involved in the Lathanderite faith would have that you could use as a 5th edition background. For your two skill proficiencies, you can take athletics and medicine. For your two languages and or two tool proficiencies, I would take an artisan's tool of your choice and then a language of your of your choice, likely celestial. For your equipment, I would take a look at the Folk Heroes equipment from the Player's Handbook, although substituting some of the gold for a holy symbol, or a 
or the Knight of the Order's Equipment from the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. For your ribbon feature for 5th edition backgrounds, I would take the Shelter of the Faithful for the Acolyte, of course. It's always a fine choice in these uh, in these in this context. Uh, but I also would take a look at Rustic Hospitality from the Folk Hero in Knightly Regard from the Knight of the Order backgrounds. Here is just a list of subclasses that I think would be thematically appropriate for a NPC or PC to take if they were a worshipper of Lathander. So with Bards, I would take a look at the College of Valor from the Player's Handbook, as well as the College of Swords from the Sanathar's Guide to Everything. For the Cleric, you have access to the Life and Light domains both in the Player's Handbook. From four fighters, among all the fighter subclasses, I lean towards those that have a bombastic bearing to them, like the Champion from the Player's Handbook, the Cavalier from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and the Purple Dragon Knight, though reskinned from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. For the Monk, the Sun Soul Monk is both found in Xanathar's Guide to Everything and Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. For the Paladin, there is the Oath of Devotion from Player's Handbook and the Oath of the Crown from Solar Coast Adventurer's Guide. From the Sorcerer, you always have access to the Divine Soul Sorcerer, of course, from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. And finally, you could potentially play a Celestial Warlock from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, who has a powerful Celestial in service to uh, Lathander, more than likely a Gardenal, who serves as their patron. Dungeon Master Options Starting with monsters, here's a list of monsters from official 5th edition sources that I think would worship and or serve Lathander that you can use in your games. So from the monster manual, you can make use of the various angels, perhaps even reskinning them to be cardinals if you deem so appropriate. From Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, you can make use of the uh, Aurelia stat block again reflavoring it to make more context appropriate appropriate the battle force angel felidar and the fire main angel as well from the curse of strahd adventure there's the phantom warrior and finally from Baldur's gate descendant to Vernus, believe it or not there's the a peacock stat block that you can make use of since the peacock is sort in particular the sun peacock is an important motif animal etc. to the worship of Lathander. Next up, just like I listed off some monsters from official 5th edition sources, these are just some NPC stat blocks from 5th edition sources that you can make use of. So in the monster manual, there's the Acolyte and the Priest. Again, with these two stat blocks in particular, you can always take the spells that are listed there and change them out for ones that are more appropriate and thematic to the god that you wish them to represent, in this case Lathander. There's the Knight stat block, the Noble, and the Veteran. In Volo's Guide to Monsters, there's this Champion stat block, the War Priest, and the Warlord. Finally, in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, I took a look at the um, NPCs more particular in line with the Guild of Boros, and I do think you could really reflavor these to be NPCs of note within the Faith of Lothander. So there's the Fire Fist the Frontline Medic, and the Reckoner. To round out the magic items, uh, sorry, to round out the section for Dungeon Master options, I'd just like to discuss magic items that might be of use to you in your games. 
So far, the amount of magic items and relics related to Lathander I found are far more numerous than any other deity I have looked into. As such, rather than digging into, the, into their particulars, I'll just be outlining their chief properties and noting where you can find them. The Dawnstone was a holy relic that the Seekers of the Dawn brought out with them when they first attempted to establish themselves in Myth Draenor. It is described as a rose-colored crystalline sphere that is smooth, is roughly equivalent in size to that of a shield. Despite its appearance, it is an object made of pure magic. It is not a solid object. It will remove all curses, diseases, and ill effects for Lathander's worshippers. It also has innate healing properties. Worshippers and clergy can touch the Tonstone and establish a direct connection with Lathander, receiving brief messages and or visions from Lathander himself. Finally, the Dawnstone allows its user to cast out various fiery magics towards enemies of the faith. The breakdown of the Dawnstone can be found in the Ruins of Myth Tranor box set from 2nd edition, and Volo's Guide to All Things Magical, also from 2nd edition. The Tome of the Morning is a large and heavy tome. Its covers are made of white quartz, and its edges are bound in gilded steel. The most defining feature of this tome is the, is the preserved eye of blue dragon hatchling bound into the front cover. This eye moves about, falling objects or individuals near to it. Among the fissures in the quartz grows green moss the clergy collects and brews with holy water to make a drink that is said to provide them with, with visions from Lathander. The pages within the tome appear blank, but the spells on its pages can be revealed. A rosy light from typically a sunset or sunrise needs to be directed into the dragon eye. The eye will then focus this light and project out the image of a partial ring on a flat surface. The final step to reveal the writing is then to take an implement and complete the ring or merely trace your hand or object in such a way to complete the ring on the flat surface. Spells directed at or involved or that involve the tome in an area of effect are instantly absorbed by the tome into the dragon's eye. The tome also has defenses and enchantments to protect it from physical damage, the ability to identify any dragon-related item or relic, and finally, the tome's strongest ability is the Rite of Renewal, a powerful, curative rite that is strong enough to regenerate missing limbs. The spells and details for this relic can be found in the 2nd edition supplement, Prayers from the Faithful. The blood of Lothander are four drops of blood preserved in an oval piece of amber. As mentioned earlier, this blood was shed by Lathander's avatar battling some master. The relic is housed in Lathander's open-hand temple in the village of Hap. The blood within the amber glows from faint light to blinding luminescence depending on the will of Lathander. It has powerful regenerative and curative magics inherent within it that can even resurrect a being so long as, so long as a worshipper handles the relic. It also has defensive properties that negatively affect anyone who is not of Lathander's faith. The details of this relic can be found in the 2nd edition supplement Volo's Guide to All Things Magical. The Rod of Lathander is made of gold-plated mithril with a half-disc at the top in the shape of a sunrise. Embedded in this disc are 12 red, yellow, and pink gemstones that all need to be set in the rod in order for it to work. The rod shines with the essence of a daylight spell cast at ninth level between the hours of sunrise and sunset. All within this light are under the benefit of a constant death ward spell. The details for the rod of Lothander can be found in the third edition supplement, City of Splendors, Waterdeep. 
The Golden Chalice of Lathander is a chalice made of pure gold that can be commanded to emit the daylight spell. It also can create a healing circle by expending one of its charges. The details for this item can be found in the 3rd edition supplement, Magic of Faerun. To round out this section of magic items, here is just a list of magic items from 5th edition sources that a dungeon master can make use of. From the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's the Armor of Fire Resistance, Flame Tongue, Gem of Brightness, Helm of Brilliance, Holy Avenger, Candle of Invocation, Lantern of Revealing, Mace of Smiting, Potion of Fire Resistance, Potion of Heroism, Ring of Fire Resistance, Ring of Warmth, Scroll of Protection from Undead, Staff of Healing, Sunblade, Talisman of Pure Good, Tome of Leadership and Influence, Manual of Gainful Exercise, and specifically plus three to sorry, plus one to plus three maces and mooring stars, as the mace and mooring star are the favorite weapons of Lathander's Faith. From Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, you can make use of a reflavored Boros Guild Signet, as well as a Boros Key Rune. From Tales from the Yawning Portal, there's the Robe of Summer. From Baldur's Gate Descent into Invernus, there's Gauntlets of Flaming Fury, as well as Sun Forger. From Eberron Rising from the Last War, there's the Everbright Lantern. From Out of the Abyss, there's the Dawnbringer. From Curse of Strahd, a reflavored holy symbol of Ravenkind, a reflavored icon of Ravenloft, as well as the Sun Sword. From The Lost Minds of Phandelver, Lightbringer. Finally, the common items from out of the common items from Xanthar's Guide to Everything, there's the Armor of Gleaming and the Cloak of Billowing. Alright, thank you for listening to Religion in the Realms. If you're interested in keeping up with the release of future episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow the podcast Twitter account at Realms Religion. These episodes are also uploaded to YouTube as well. The podcast YouTube channel can be found under the title of Religion in the Realms. Audio versions of the podcast can also be found on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Podcasts. If you wish to get in touch with me, my personal Twitter is at ShivsEmbrace, or you can send an email to realmsreligion at gmail.com, all in lowercase. For those interested, I have posted a link in the video description to a Discord server I have set up. For audio listeners, you can find the link to the invite pinned on the podcast Twitter page. Next episode will be on a monitor. I have started considering restructuring the initial schedule of the episodes fair for the Faerudian Pantheon. Rather than using the rest of the randomized schedule I started with, I am considering organizing the rest of the episodes so that deities that are so tied to one another, say like Shar and Saloon, or are part of a group, say like the Dead Three, are covered sequentially. This isn't finalized, but I am really leaning towards restructuring the schedule. I do have a proposed schedule available that I posted on the podcast Twitter page that I would like some feedback on before cementing it as my new schedule, or you can request it from me across various social medias or through the email that I was given that I give gave earlier. So please feel free to reach out or find it and send your feedback my way before I 100% confirm this as a new schedule. Until next time. May Tymora look kindly upon your dice rolls, Helm protect you, and Lathander light your path.
Music for this episode, Heroic Age, by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0.